So welcome to this week's edition of the Retail Risk Podcast, sponsored by Alltag, and thanks as always to our supporting partners, 3X Logic, Aura, Lodge, and Intrepid. Now, my guest this week is John Lowe. John is Group Head of Digital Risk at Fraser's Group, responsible for loss prevention data analytics, covering the retail estate, web transactions, online payments, fraud screening, ensuring there's a holistic overview of stock loss, margin, revenue erosions across the entire group. Now, prior to Fraser's, John was head of risk covering all risk functions for gain retail. Huge uh, range of responsibilities there, also including enterprise risk management, audit, insurance, information security, loss prevention, multi-channel fraud, payments, health and safety. There is nothing that this man hasn't turned his hand to. Now, a strong and diverse retail background as well. Previously worked for a number of UK retail brands, including the cooperative, as well as the retail management section of Bass. Welcome, as always, John. Thank you. Uh, pleased to be here. So, um, Thank you for the invite. Not at all. You were last a guest uh, on episode two of the Retail Risk Podcast. We are now hurtling towards episode 100. Um, what have you been doing for the last couple of years? Yeah, it's incredible, isn't it? How, how time flies. Two two years ago, I, I remember it distinctly, although in truth, I can't remember what the subject matter was now. I'll probably have to have a, a re-look at it. But um, but at the time, I remember I was just transitioning from uh, working in game uh, as um, head of risk and just transitioning to um, Fraser's group, where, um, where my responsibilities that, that I assumed at Fraser's group were around e-commerce payments, and fraud screening, and uh, bricks and mortar analytics. And the, my initial remit was to focus on the e-commerce area because that was the area that um, there was the greatest opportunity. And, and so that's where my focus was. And indeed, now we'll probably come on to it, is I'm about to transition to, to spending more time on the uh, BM uh, analytics. Uh, so we become more of a perhaps a 50-50 split. So, um, yeah, so... Um, e-coms payments. Uh, the when I took a look at the uh, payment and fraud screening stack that we had at Fraser's Group, I thought it was best that we we overhauled all of it, uh, and that's what we went uh, about doing. And um, so we changed the the whole payment stack, including the fraud screening tool. Uh, so we put in products like Ravelin. Um, and payment service providers. And we, I decided on a multi, uh, because of the size of the business, I decided on a multi PSP strategy with uh, Stripe, Adyen, Checkout.com, so that we could do payment optimization routing. So at quite a granular level. So if we saw, for example, that we were getting better acceptance rates from banks through a particular bin, through a particular PSP, then we could optimize and route the traffic uh, accordingly. But that's all well and good because, but obviously the the uh, sort of the panacea within ecom is to make sure that you get bank acceptance rates for your transactions. And one of the things that the banks like to see is good control of fraud. And indeed, if they don't see good control of fraud, then then it's not possible to to get them um, acceptance rates high. So um, obviously, the focus was. 
let's when we put these new payment uh, service providers in is let's make sure that we protect the mids uh, the merchant identifications that we had with a really state-of-the-art fraud engine and then really managed that well and i'm pleased to say that within the last two years we've successfully done that and indeed we've been in a good place uh, for a while so we reduced fraud and we reduced, reduced it down to one basis point which is point uh, 0.01 of a percent uh, in the e-commerce so so a really uh, good result and that resulted in is getting it, it to a situation where we had plus 95 percent acceptance rates from the banks for our transactions uh, which was obviously a good place to be. But in truth, anybody can get that. Anybody can get high acceptance rates and low fraud if you just block anything. <laughs> and this is, I guess, where the smart the smart thing is, especially with the capability of the machine learning tools. So we moved away from uh, a rules-based system to an ML system. Indeed, we only have 35 rules in, in our fraud screening tool, and that's the way we wanted to stay. And, and essentially, them 35 rules are around policy rather than fraud detection. And we built, because of the number of websites that we have, uh, something like 80 of them, is that obviously we could cluster them into similar sort of categories of um, merchant, and, and then build the uh, machine learning uh, modules according to the specific needs of them business types. So Sports Direct would have a different uh, machine learning model in the fraud engine than we would have for flannels, which was premium luxury, of mm. course. And, and again, that's worked, yeah, because obviously um, them uh, metrics that I just um, um, detailed earlier uh, we we got uh, similar uplifts within all of them different merchants, and obviously the the metrics that are uh, communicated were actually the 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 cumulative results uh, uh, of that work. So really pleased, and that's been uh, really successful. To put it into context, what it meant was that in the first year that we that we got them uh, new integrations in place, we uplifted our. Um, first time transaction success rate by over a hundred million, a hundred million pounds. So that's obviously a material value in, in anybody's book. And that's from a position where the business was doing okay, but it's just doing a lot better. So, so that's where the focus has been. And I'm and, and pleased to say that, that we sort of got there on that level. We've also used um, in that time uh, because PSD2 and 3DS uh, went live and we just I just waited for that to settle down a bit and then we used the um, allowable exemptions under PST too because what we also saw was that we had a significant fill and abandonment rate from our customers who were um, not interacting with the stronger customer authentication step up request which is basically the 3DS piece and they were abandoned at a rate around about eight percent so what we wanted to do was to deploy exemptions where we did a TRA score, the transactional risk assessment, and that's the primary exemption that we use. There are others, but we primarily use that one, where we do a risk assessment of the score using our fraud tool engine, and then we put into the API call the, the exemption, the specific exemption request that we want, based on the fact that we know that... Um, 80, 90% of our transactions that are as safe as houses. Yeah. 
so why ask them to step up? The only thing is it means that we take the liability shift on ourselves and we take it away from the banks. But what we saw, and that, that only went in recently, um, and what we saw that in two months alone, we, we reduced our fill and abandonment rate from 8% to just over 1%, um, which gives gave us tens and tens of millions of pounds worth of uh, additional extra first-time transaction successes, which is the key thing and the best thing for the user experience. You know, so our fraud controls, our storing of the risk in relation to each transactions has given material value back to the, back to the business, which has been a, a tremendous success. But at the same time, didn't want to just ignore bricks and mortar. Uh, didn't want to start laying the platforms for that because I knew that um, when, when the focus began to turn, not away from e-commerce, because it'll always be there, but onto the bricks and mortar side, I didn't want to do it from a standing start. And uh, fortunately, um, the business had already agreed to implement the POS um, data analytics tool. Uh, I'll name it. It's uh, secure from APRES. And and a tool I'd used before in games, so so knew what what, what we get, and and that's just been embedded now. And the the that side of the digital risk team here at uh, Fraser's Group is now beginning to create the narrative in relation to what what um, benefits we can add to the business in the bricks and mortar estate. Now, of course, the the, the first things that come to mind are things like we can detect refund fraud. Uh, people who do line voids and things like that. But the reality is that's small beer. It always is. It tends to be the more emotive side uh, of it because, yeah, our staff are stealing from us. And, of course, we don't want to allow that to happen. And and that is important because of the the um, emotional context around that type of activity. But reality, reality is it's the systemic issues, the big risks, they always dwarf that 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 um, metric, if you like, and so that's looking at where we have a policy failure. So, for example, if for example we have a certain policy around refunds and returns, and it might be that we um, take the give the customer credit onto uh, a gift card, um, who, who's abusing that and giving different forms of um, um, refund to the customer and then which is revenue revenue depleting and how can we protect that revenue uh, at the same time as giving the customer a great service and um, and what we found in the initial analytics that we've done is there's fantastic opportunities there for the business to to um, retain more revenue in the business than we otherwise have been without knowing that we weren't so so we're in a very much uh, stronger position with that so yeah so i guess all the integrations of all the new systems that we've put in place making them systems sweat for us uh and and onboarding new new systems as well into the into the bricks and mortar estate uh yeah it's been quite a busy two years to be honest and and it doesn't seem to be abating either so. <laughs> my, my, my goodness mate i mean if you talk about you know successes and and keeping yourself busy i mean that is an unbelievable list of things that you've rolled out across fraser's group i mean i talk to people and they might have done 
one of those or two of those, but the amount of projects that you've been running simultaneously has been spectacular. So, so with all of those in place, what on earth takes up the bulk of your time from a day-to-day perspective now, John? Is it is it managing all of that and embedding it in? You know, when when you open the laptop in the morning, what what can typically crash your day? What does your day-to-day now now look like? Um, to be fair, it's pretty much a lot of the same because I think with 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 all of these things, it's a, it's a never-ending journey. There's no there's no A to B here. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, once you get from A to B, it's well. Actually, I didn't see C in the distance, and I didn't see destination D in the distance. So, so it's it's about further refinement and making everything sweat. So we've got more to integrate in truth. And like I say, yeah, just in the e-com side alone, we've done I think it's five integrations in total, and they were all big, uh, big integrations because of that data enrichment that you need to be able to detect fraud, be able to make sure the payments that you're accepting are good, etc., uh, etc. Et and indeed, when um, the IT integration guys came to me and says, um, what type of integration do you want? I said, look, I want the Rolls-Royce integration. I want where it says here in terms of 3DS, for example, and it said, um, you, you have a list and it says, these are the things to comply with 3DS that are must-haves in your data capture. These are the things that are nice to have. And these are the things that are, that are only moderate, uh, nice to have asks. And I just said, we want all three. Yeah, we want all, all the data capture that we can possibly get because reality is we'll only have to come back and visit it when we get 3DS 2.2 or maybe it's into the longer distance, 3DS 3. But, um, and, and, I, and I guess, the, because I wanted quick wins in the business on the e-com side, we, we went for the PSP integrations, that's the gateways and the acquirers and, and the fraud engine. And um, and, and, and some, this might be method in the madness, but now I'm looking to sit, put a payment orchestration layer in, uh, a piece of middleware um, that, say, that enables us to root out traffic at a really granular but hyperspeed way uh, and this, so this will be another big integration and and obviously i'm going through that recruit you know that that um shall we say beauty contest with vendors now to to find out who would be the the, the best provider for us but what that would enable us to do is it would enable us to one have real-time analytics and based on them retail uh, uh, analytics be able to put um policies in place rules in place that route the traffic based on where we're getting the most success. So it might say that through PSP1 on this bin range in this country, we're getting a better success rate through that PSP. So why would we route any of the any of that traffic for that specific bin, the bank identification number, so the bank, why would we route it through any of the other two? Well, we wouldn't, of course. We'd want to route it there. And we want, I want rules to say reroute. But also at the same time, it adds resilience because it'd be able to say we, uh, we've got latency uh, in a provider. And from that rate latency, the rule would be, perhaps while we're all asleep in our beds, uh, 
and we don't have to crash the IT team out to do something. It just build, builds a rule that says, right, okay, then put, put it over there. But the direct the direct integrations that we have with these PSPs isn't lost either because potentially the permit orchestration there becomes your single point of failure. But because we've got integrations, direct integration with them anyway, we can actually redirect away from the orchestration layer and through the PSPs. But that would be a crash the IT theme. So that's the next thing that's up. And what's really exciting about the UK at the moment is is um, is how dynamic it is in the open banking area. Uh, so with the different payment methods, et cetera. And these are all as a result of PSD2. And it's been a way of creating um, competition against just the recognized card schemes, Visa, MasterCard, the EMV organizations. So again, there's massive opportunity there to reduce your cost by persuading, uh, by giving great, great other alternative payment methods to our customers so that we get away from their more traditional type of expensive payment methods. So, so looking at that, also looking at um, um, local acquiring because we have uh, aggressive uh, expansion plans for uh, entry, well, further entry because we're already there, but uh, further entry into uh, continental Europe and obviously looking at local acquiring opportunities so that we can um, uh, avoid the expensive international uh, interchange rates and card scheme rates. So, so um, looking at that. Um, but we're also strengthening our fraud solutions. So we were partnered with Ethica and Akata so that we get the uh, uh, additional early warnings from Ethica. And that's just started. So that's obviously we're doing a lot of analytics in terms of you know, what, what benefit is that given us to the business? Uh, and we can already see some good results because we're, we're able to, because of these early warnings, be able to uh, stop dispatches of products that we would have otherwise allowed uh, going out of the, the, the DC gates, if you like. And so we're stopping that. So that's great. But at the same time with the ACADA data, we're also looking to make some better decisions just with that extra data that says to our, you know, a customer that we otherwise might have prevented, we actually shove into, we accept it because actually with this extra data, we've got more surety that the customer is who they say they are. So, so we're just enhancing the, uh, the, 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 the stack uh, like that. And I guess the other things that keep up taking, taking my time is we're a very inquisitive business and boy, have we been busy on that front lately. <laughs> so um, we just um, we just acquired 15 businesses in between Christmas and New Year, can you believe it? Uh, and we've just been onboarding them for uh, for payments over the last um, few months. And look, we've always been we've always been acquiring businesses, but 15 in one swallow was was a bit of a challenge i have to say so <laughs> but we we're at the back end of that now and um, and then businesses are operating well and and being able to take take money and and you know enabling their fraud screening solutions to make sure that it's good business that we uh, take on on the data analytics front for the bricks and mortar stores um, we've just had the project delivery with APRIS and Secure, so we're just building uh, our models, um, you know, looking for the policy abuses, looking for the systemic losses. And that just could be looking at product data and, 
uh, return data for by geolocation, looking for the outliers, by product, by category, which categories are giving us problems, uh, what, what are the remedial actions in relation to if it is a category that's given a problems. And that's liaison with obviously the commercial teams to say, you know, what what is what was our, our returns rates allowance with this provider? Uh, and is is that um, allowance uh, covering the, the 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 cost that we say? And that'll only be on the outliers, of course. Yeah. So so we're moving into that that uh, territory. But on the on the systemic or the 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 policy um, ones, it's we're working closely with our retail operations partners. Um, and because they're the guys that we give them the data, but they're the ones who can fix it and, you know, get that, that communication out there and get boots on the ground indeed. So so we're building uh, our relationships with them and that's got off to a really good start. Um, so, you know, we work for the same business and we we both, we all want the same results. So, so that's working uh, really well and just making sure that we get that execution. So, so yeah, that's, um, yeah, it's, Taking the time, yeah. Take your time. That that's, uh, sounds like the work of, uh, of 10 people there that you've just ran through, <laughs> so super impressive. For every type of business, the power of a data-driven security video management system designed to give you total control anywhere, anytime. 3X Logic. What bigger projects, What what's the next raft of projects that, that John would like to see come come down the line what what's what's on your pad as the uh is there anything left to add uh into the process or you know what's the what what's the bit that maybe you've not approached the business about yet and uh, and we promise not to share it but i'm just intrigued as to what you're looking at that you might think can bring a benefit to to fraser's group further down the line yeah, I've already mentioned a couple of them, Paul. So, for for example, it's the payment orchestration. Yeah. So, the business has probably got a sense that I'm looking into that area, uh, but I've I've sort of got to build that knowledge and what what the the features and benefits are to the business if we deploy it. They're quite clear, but it's making sure you get the airtime to be able to to communicate that to you know the C-suite team and and in fairness they they they're, they're always in good listening mode here so um I, I think because they're used to moving at such a fast pace to be honest and I think that's um that's borne out by by our you know the speed of acquisition that the rate that we, we we sort of do um so um so I'm, I'm quite positive that it'll be receptive mm -hmm. so yeah it'll be that payment orchestration piece it will be you know i'm looking for i mean not only am i looking for um cheaper ways to pay i'm looking for ways to pay that makes it less frictionless for our customers to pay as well uh so i don't want them just to well, I mean, what's the hook for the customer purchasing if there isn't a benefit to the customer? And the benefit to the customer is make it easy. So these these new ways of paying, we've got to bring them in. And like I say, um, pay by bank, open banking is definitely uh, coming down the line. But there's so many solutions. And there's, you know, I, I mean, there's even one provider that, that um, not only facilitates um, pay by bank, um, but it also uh, facilitates reward, but rewarding crypto. Oh, and really? Think, yeah, yeah. So, and it's only a tiny bit of crypto, but can you just imagine that for some of our um, our customer base? Yeah, 
maybe you know the, the younger ones who, who just want who would like to have a go crypto but are perhaps a little bit nervous and offers a risk-free way of them getting crypto we haven't done it yet but it's one of the things i'm considering mm. and indeed um i know that paypal are trialing something in america in the us at the moment where they take crypto payments um but they settle to the merchant in um uh in 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 the local currency okay. Uh, so so that seems good because it actually takes some of the risk out of taking crypto. The, the only thing that probably needs a solution in that in that scenario is if there's wild variations in the crypto value and you take the payment in crypto and two weeks later you have to give a refund, but the crypto is worth twice the value. Yes. So there needs to be a solution for that. But, but I don't think we can um, ignore wow. anything that's on, on the horizon. So... So you know, some of them are some of them are immediate, and some of them are just horizon thinking, if you like. Yeah, super, super exciting. So I mean, I mean, the innovation and the uh, I can imagine the sort of social media interest around that would be uh, pretty spectacular. So uh, um, yeah, I shall I shall watch that space with interest, and who knows, maybe I'll be able to order online from flannels and return in store as well uh if you put my little uh, request on your <laughs> yeah. list as well opposed to having to send it back but anyway there you go now um you're interested uh you uh very kindly uh joined us in retail risk sydney recently uh flying down uh and, and we were down in australia for that event uh and a terrific well-received presentation you gave too but any surprise learnings observations that that you picked up from uh from talking to a bunch of uh, uh asia pack retailers yeah i guess the, i guess the the first thing was um was how similar the, the the retail risk event was uh in australia uh to to, to london uh, although the the scale was slightly different but um but what, what I found was that you, through the presentations, and I did stay there all day, from the presentations that I saw and, and listened to, is that uh, they're every bit as um, creative as, and innovative uh, as we are in the UK, yeah? And and by and large, fight, fighting the same problems and uh, et cetera, et cetera, uh, and have a lot of the same solutions. I guess... I guess it shouldn't have been a surprise, but I guess what came across was was um, how they have to operate differently because just because of the scale and size of the business. So, for example, um, one of the guys says to me, "It takes me five hours to fly from Sydney to Perth. Five hours. That's 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 closer than me flying from London to Cyprus." So, which is only four and a half hours. So this is like bigger than the, across Europe. And uh, so you can just imagine how big some of the operational regions are for, for some of the big players there. Thinking about Woolworths and Coles and organisations uh, like that. So, and I, and, and I did touch base with them in terms of, well, what's your operational structures like? What's your supply chain? Uh, what's your supply chain like? And they have to do with like a, a lot more. And okay, we did this in COVID, but for them, it has to be normal practice. And COVID probably didn't make that much of a difference for them. But they have to do like a lot of remote contacting and a lot of remote meetings. Because if somebody's in the next town along, that's a three hour flight or yeah. a two hour flight, <laughs> something like that. 
And I guess as well is that, I don't know whether it's 80 or 90% of the whole population is in about five cities, mm. yeah? Brisbane, Melbourne, Sydney, Adelaide, and Perth. And and then it's, it's, it's you know, you, you could travel three miles before you met us all in other parts yeah. of it, yeah? So or, or probably 100 miles, yeah? So so I guess the, the, the scale came across and... But yeah, good good bunch of people, and it was uh, I had a great time there. Thank you. Yeah, it, it is interesting when you hear conversations about you know none of this order place the order by ten o'clock at night and and get delivery the next day. It's you know if you're lucky, we'll get it within twenty miles of where you live in a week, and then you have to drive the last bit to go and fetch it from a drop off point or a town. You know for mm. that ten percent that are not in in the big cities. So yeah, fascinating. So look, looking ahead to 2023 uh, and beyond, you know, very exciting times in Fraser's group. But what's your take on retail right now? Is is you know, is everybody buoyant within Fraser's? Do you see more acquisitions on the horizon? You know, you say you're perhaps focusing a little bit more on on the stores. Do you think you know is that where the business is going? I'm just interested to get your take on on the next 12 months. I mean, recently the Chancellor in the UK has said um, the UK is not now going to go into recession in 2023, which was uh, you know, exciting news, if that's the right word. So um, how does that play out within uh, within Fraser's? Well, I, I think looking at it at the macro level before I look at, it, at the Fraser's, I think I think it's um, it almost seems counterintuitive because we, we've heard of this cost of living crisis, mm. although we've got a cost of living crisis and we haven't got into recession. In fact, I think there was a 0.3 percent growth in the in the UK market that was uh, announced last week, so so we didn't go into to recession as you state, and and it looks likely that we won't now, which is which is good news. But but then you see many retailers um, announcing uh, increased revenues, yeah, and we've been one of them, um, we, and indeed in our half year um, statement for. Uh, the half year results, we we're having a record time, yeah, and we're predicting record profits for for this year, and that's all in the public domain. So, um, so yeah, we're we're, we're fairly buoyant here, uh, and certainly uh, not looking to let up at all. Uh, so acquisitions, when they present themselves, will still be an opportunity for the business. And I'm not saying anything underwater here because it's publicly stated. We have plans for continental Europe expansion, um, and you know how will that look like? Well, you know, and it'll be maybe M and A, it'll be it'll be organic growth, uh, etc. But it's also about you know how we work with our brands. How can we um, um, work with the, our brands better to get, offer a better proposition to the customers? And indeed, our elevation strategy, um, refitting the stores so that that, um, that our um, brand partners are, are very happy to put their premium products into them brands. And that's what we're finding uh, now. And, 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 and all of these things are uh, d- delivering growth. I, I've, seen our, I've seen our plans for, for the coming years, and, and I have to say they're really exciting and they're not shy. Uh, so, so all I can say is on that is just is watch the watch this space, I guess. 
I mean, the one thing is uh, Fraser's Group certainly isn't a shy business, is it? It's uh, it's been very bold and uh, and and uh, certainly happy to stride out. Yeah, yeah, and and it's a, an exciting place to work for that reason. Uh, sometimes there can be the, 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 a lot of pressure comes with that. Of course, uh, you take on some big acquisitions, and it's all you know, it's all hands to the pump, I guess, uh, to to make sure that we onboard them and. Uh, as seamlessly as possible and and gear them up for success and i think we've been successful at that but then again the 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 ability of this business to to absorb other businesses is is is, is it seems to be time honored um <laughs> the 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 cogs are well greased in that area i think yeah <laughs> yeah it's not 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 the proverbial first rodeo is it when it comes to uh uh, acquiring and uh, an, an integrated business. Um, John, just fascinating to listen to you talk and your level of knowledge and the speed at which you continue to roll out new technologies, I think, uh, leaves a whole host of people in the industry just uh, in your wake and in awe. So thank you for sharing that. Um, John, it's been an absolute pleasure to catch up. Um, last time you and I were in Sydney, and hopefully I'll see you in person at Retail Risk london in april as well but for now john thank you very much indeed thank you for asking me to come on cheers mm-hmm.